Before we get started with this week's episode, a brief statement. It is with a heavy heart that we record this episode after having heard of the passing of Somerset Patriots Chairman Emeritus Steve Califer. Steve meant everything to the Somerset Patriots community. He was a great, great man and will be missed dearly. We will provide more information and additional statements at a later time. For now, please join our entire organization in a moment of silence. Thank you. Welcome to the brand new Patriots and Pinstripes podcast, the official podcast of the New York Yankees AA affiliate, Somerset Patriots. And the Patriots have won it! Somerset! My name is Mark Schwartz. On this show, I'll cover all things Somerset Patriots and New York Yankees, from the organizational structure all the way down to the prospects, the AA Northeast League, and everything in between. A pleasant hello and welcome to the Patriots in Pinstripes podcast. My name is Mark Schwartz and I am joined by my now new co-host, Brandon Pelter. Brandon, most important question of the day, how are you doing, my friend? Doing well, Mark. We had a little rain earlier, but the sun's starting to peek out. Boy, this field ahead of us at TD Bank Ballpark is getting prettier and prettier each day. We record this on Wednesday the 21st, which means that we are less than two weeks away. From baseball returning opening day on May 4th. When I say that, Brandon, what are a couple of the initial thoughts that pop into your head? Oh, man, I can't wait. And like so many of our listeners, you know, we really haven't seen baseball in person. And I think it would be close to two years when, you know, when you think about it, that's crazy. And you match that with uh, the new affiliation and partnership with the Yankees, all of the changes here at the ballpark as well, the upgrades. Boy, it makes for a really exciting time of year, and these next 13 days better fly by. Well, you said the word exciting, and that's been a real key word around here for a lot of things. And I think that's also attributable to this week's episode, because we do have an exciting episode, and we've got an exciting guest. Mike Ashmore, who is no stranger to Patriots fans at all, he makes his debut on the Patriots in Pinstripes podcast, Mike goes over a number of topics that I think are going to be very interesting, including what his plans are for coverage of the Somerset Patriots in the 2021 season. So let's get into it with my conversation with longtime Somerset Patriots beat reporter Mike Ashmore. Who wants to play baseball? Let's go! Yes, sir! Woo! And welcome back to the Patriots in Pinstripes podcast. My name is Mark Schwartz. Today's guest has been someone we've been building towards, I feel like, for for quite some time. He is a familiar name, a familiar face around TD Bank Ballpark and to many Somerset Patriots fans. Uh, It is Mike Ashmore, who has been covering the team now for, well, he's entering his 19th season following this franchise. Mike, welcome to the pod. How are you doing, my friend? Doing good, Schwartzy. How are you? I'm doing good. It's a, uh, it's a pretty crazy time right now with uh, with everything getting ready for the season, but I am so excited to have you back in the press box. It feels like we're, uh, we're back at home. Yeah, man. I was actually thinking about that when we were talking before we got started, just how nice it is to, to be back here and be back in the seat. I haven't been you know in this radio booth with you in about two years, so it's, uh, it's great to be back and hopefully get things uh, slowly but surely back to normal here. Yeah, that's what we're working towards. Uh, I'm curious what the last year plus, I mean, I know it's been difficult for a lot of people. For yourself, you cover a wide range of live sporting events. So uh, what's this last year plus been like for you? Mostly awful. It's, you know, there was that three or four month stretch where like everything felt like it was completely shut down and there was nothing to do. And um, I ended up working at a grocery store, as you know, for a couple of weeks and uh, quickly decided that wasn't for me. It's very uh, humbling going from talking to Pat Mahomes at the Super Bowl to uh, being criticized on how you uh, bag fruits and vegetables. What were you criticized for in your bag packing process? <laughs> uh, I would pack my bags too heavy. And the lady who was training me would always say, uh, pack the bag like your grandma is going to be carrying it. And I'm like, I don't know what your grandma's like. My grandma can carry a pretty heavy grocery bag. So I... Uh, Went in there four or five times and was like, I just don't want to do this ever again. So it kind of got motivated to get back and uh, doing a lot more live sports stuff. And uh, thankfully, things started to open back up right around that time. So, Well, we're, we're happy to have you back here. And you know, hopefully, 
know, we're sitting in the press box right now at TD Bank Ballpark, and we have a beautiful day worth of weather, and hopefully this is a sign of nicer days and more sporting events to come for all of us. I do want to give you an opportunity, Mike. Uh, one of the many reasons why you are here today is to talk a little bit more about exactly what your plans are for this upcoming 2021 season. So I will give you the platform and you can inform our fans for the first time what your plans are. So I will give you the long, drawn-out story version of this. Uh, too long, don't read. We are bringing back uh, PatriotsBaseball.com, which is where I got my start in 2003, back when I was a, a young pup and only 20 years old. Um, I've taken it over. I know you guys kind of ran it for a couple years, but it is uh, mine now, and that is what we're doing. The long version of it is um, I was with MyCentralJersey.com and the Courier News, as you guys know, for... Uh, the past eight years, and uh, you know, there's a lot of uh, restrictions on them, uh, budget-wise and whatnot, with freelancers. I freelance; that's no secret either. And uh, was informed in late February that my services were no longer required there. And my first thought was that I'm done. My first thought was, all right, I'm done. I'm not going to do this anymore. Uh, I certainly wasn't going to go back to Whole Foods. Um, but you know, it's like you know, maybe this is a, a sign for me to kind of want to do something else. And Felt that way for a couple of days, and then I kind of went back and thought about how I felt when everything shut down in mid-March last year, and how depressed I was, and what an awful feeling that was. Like my wife would leave for work in the morning at 6 a.m., and I'd be in one spot in the bed, and she'd come home at 6 p.m., and I'd be in the same spot. Like I just, it was not a good couple of weeks, and I thought about that, and it's kind of how much I missed it, and how much that made me want it even more. So I kind of. Uh, looked for opportunities and turned actually turned a lot of stuff down to, to bring this back. And uh, I'm really, um, I can go through the motions and fake it quite a bit, as you know, but I am genuinely really, <laughs> really, really excited to uh, to get an opportunity to A, be here this year and B, bring back the site where I got my start because that brings back a lot of really good memories for me too. Well, you've been such a brilliant content producer in following the Patriots and covering the team for so many years now. I mean, in addition to everything that you would write up, your post-game recaps, you would have the feature stories on all the players and feature stories that a lot of people could never get otherwise, myself included. And I've been working for the team. Uh, you would inform me a lot of times on what's going on for the team, and I don't have any shame in admitting that. In addition to that, you'd provide some great video. I mean, if anybody wanted to go onto your YouTube channel, there's videos on videos of guys that have been here previously. In fact, um, when the Patriots coaching staff was announced yeah. that Daniel Moskis was going to be the team's pitching coach. I went to youtube.com backslash Mashmore nine, eight and found some clips of Daniel Moskis pitching right here at TD bank ballpark. So in terms of the content that you're going to be able to provide uh, on this new website, well, not so much new for you, but uh, maybe new for fans to see you on it recently. Uh, what can fans expect from the content that you'll be providing? Well, that's a good question, sir. Um, obviously, things are, are very different here in the, the COVID environment, and we were talking about this a little bit too. In that, I feel like a lot of the things that kind of make me, you know, make me and make my coverage stand out are a little bit limited this year in terms of, you know, there's not going to be clubhouse access this year. You're not going to be able to go on the field and take pictures this year. Video is going to be probably pretty limited this year with where you can and can't go in the stands and all that stuff. But um, I'm going to take advantage of every opportunity that I do get here for sure. Um, I know there's going to be Zoom heavy, at least for the first couple months here, and uh, a lot of features, uh, as much video as I can, as much photo as I can. I'm going to promise you uh, I'm very, very motivated uh, based off of the events of the last couple <laughs> uh, months here, and uh, not only just to, to prove people who maybe doubted me wrong, but also to, to bring uh, a certain level of uh, coverage here that maybe people have come to expect from me in covering the uh, the Yankees AA affiliate like I did for a long time and also uh, covering this team for you know the past 18 years. But one of the exciting elements for us moving forward, you know, you're writing for Patriots Baseball. You know, this is an opportunity for us to integrate you into our own internal communications and, and ele elevate the content that you're pushing out even more than we have previously. So there's going to be opportunities, you know, for us to work together even more than we already are. Yes, it's uh, hard to believe since uh, we, uh, you know, you've been great to work with the past couple of years, even in your, your previous stop in, uh, in Long <laughs> Island as well. And I've worked with, uh, you know, Mark Russinoff. And every, I, I really can't say enough about everybody here in this whole organization. And Steve Califer, too, you'll see that we have uh, some of his family of dealerships there and the, the sponsorships and uh, PatriotsBaseball.com. And he was uh, kind enough to, to step up and... Uh, heard what had happened and wanted to make sure that I continued covering the team. And 
uh, everybody in that front office down there too here at uh, good old TD Bank Ballpark has been, uh, you know, as soon as they heard what happened, you know, reached out. What can, what can we do to help? What can we do to, to make this successful for you? And uh, it's nice to know that I kind of have that that backing and that support to where um, I don't want to say I have to be worried about this being successful, but I'm pretty confident that uh, it'll be pretty good going forward here. We're speaking with Mike Ashmar, who now covers the Somerset Patriots for PatriotsBaseball.com. Let's pivot to this new season and what this is going to look like from an organizational standpoint. And then I also want to get to what this is going to look like from a fan perspective. Sure. Let's take a couple of steps back. Of course, you know, this is now episode six of this new podcast. I don't have to tell our fans exactly what's happened, but the Patriots are Yankees double A affiliate. Can you walk me through what your thoughts and emotions were at the time when news started to trickle out? There were some of those rumors that this might happen. And then eventually, once the the news was confirmed and the announcement was made. It kind of felt like one of those things. I don't really know what the vibe was here, but it felt like one of those things that you would hear about. And like, it's like, okay, but like, it's never really actually going to happen. Like there's, you know, it's, it's too good to be true. It's never going to happen. Um, they're ultimately going to stick with, you know, what's been working for them and working really well, uh, here since 98. And, uh, there it was, you know, I, I found out, uh, one thing I will certainly give you guys credit on, uh, begrudgingly is, uh, how quiet everybody here kept this. Um, I know the Yankees were pretty strict on that and, um, I'm sorry, man, (laughs) genuinely, truthfully, again, I, I, you know, puff things up a little bit, but nobody told me a gosh darn thing um, up until a couple of minutes before he was getting ready to drop. And um, I don't want to say I was surprised, but it was uh, it was a good surprise, I guess I'll say, to, um, you know, get a chance to cover the Yankees AA affiliates. Uh, that's a big part of where I made a name uh, for myself was getting to do that. And uh, without having gotten my start here, obviously I wouldn't have been able to do that. But uh, those six years that I mostly spent in Trenton, and I was here as well, but those six years I mostly spent in Trenton, I... Uh, was really able to establish myself pretty well. And um, to get a chance to do that again, if it were up to me to decide whether I would keep this as an Atlantic League franchise or move it to, if it was some bizarro world where I had the deciding vote, I honestly, I've thought about that. I don't know what I would say. So I'm just going to go with whatever it is. And right now it's the Yankees affiliate and I'm happy to be here. Let's build off of some of your previous experience working at the AA level following this New York Yankees organization. This is, you know, you just said where you built a lot of your name, a lot of your brand. What are some differences? I guess let's start with, for you specifically, in covering an Atlantic League team versus covering a double-A affiliate, let alone one of the New York Yankees. Um, From a media standpoint, everything in affiliated ball is extraordinarily more structured and not always necessarily in a good way. Uh, compared to what it has been here in the past. Um, within reason here, um, I don't think it's an exaggeration to say I could pretty much do what I wanted here from a media standpoint. And, you know, I had mostly free reign. Obviously, you had to be respectful of certain times and not go certain places, you know, have some feel, basically. Like, I'm not going to go in the training room and ask a guy for an interview or anything like that or go in the showers. And But you earned that because of yes. your work here for over a long period of time. Right, right, right. Um, and, you know, based on my time in Trenton, everything is very, it's like you will talk to the manager at 5 to 5.15. The clubhouse will be open from 5.15 to 5.45. Um, I have vivid memories of, yeah, probably shouldn't even say it, but Yankees development staff guys, like, you know, I'd be hanging out by the cage and trying to get photos and videos and stuff like, get away, get it, like, you know, stuff like that. Whereas, you know, in the past uh, time here, like it was pretty much, you know, really laid back and relaxed and pretty much the definition of independent ball. So I will... I will very much so miss a lot of that, but I won't miss. Um, I always covered things here the way I did in Trenton, the exact same way. I didn't change a thing. The work ethic, uh, stories, content I would use, content I wouldn't use, all that stuff. I didn't change a thing. And I won't miss um, basically the views here uh, in the indie ball side of things not really being what they were um in the affiliated ball side of things. And that makes sense too, obviously, uh, from a national perspective, nobody's really following the indie ball side of things too, too much. Whereas, uh, you know, affiliated ball, there's, there's so much interest in what can this guy be and all that kind of stuff. So it's going to be a bit of an adjustment and some getting used to for me kind of getting back to that and also learning the system too. Um, that's going to be a big, big adjustment, but I'm also kind of happy to be coming in with a clean slate as well and just kind of seeing what these guys can do when I get to see them. I want to challenge something that you just said because I could think of a couple of distinctive moments where videos that you shot 
from independent baseball games garnered national media attention. Gosh, I can't think of one, Schwartz. Can you? <laughs> I can think of two. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, I think I can think of Matt Latos. Oh, uh, yeah. I don't even know if that was a happy accident. Now, we've, we've talked about the whole viral thing before, too. And yeah. obviously, we're kind of kidding around because we have the experience of what we <laughs> collectively uh, went through with uh, the Boy Am I Impressive uh, video, which we still get requests for to this day. That's true. Yeah. Um, it's fun for like six to eight to ten ish hours, and then you kind of. I was curious which what like length of time you were gonna go with there. Might be a stretch too. I might even be be a little generous there to not sound cynical. It's cool for a little while, basically, yeah. and then it gets absolutely awful. The initial text messages, the initial like, "Hey, did you see this?" Yeah, are are pretty cool. Yeah, you get that. It's like, "Hey, oh well, ESPN reached out, and then oh, this place reached out, and then it's like, oh, this, well, all right, we're done. All right, yeah, I got everything I want to get out of this. I'm good. I think I don't think people realize too, like." Yeah, it's cool for a day, but it really doesn't do a whole hell of a lot for you no. either. Like, nobody's going to hire me based on the fact that I lucked into essentially three viral videos in my career. So, well, we're appreciative of it. Yes, yes. I, uh, in all seriousness, not that that wasn't serious, but in all seriousness, I'm very glad that I was able to kind of capture that and uh, bring that one to the masses. But without uh, Mr. Goodhands over here, <laughs> it uh, would not have happened. So. The Patriots and Pinstripes podcast is brought to you by TD Bank. TD Bank is changing the game with curbside debit card replacement. Whether your debit card was lost in the couch or chewed up by your dog, we've got you covered. Just order a new debit card through the TD Bank app. Then you can walk, bike, or drive up to your nearby TD Bank to score your new card. Now that's the MVP treatment. TD Bank, proud sponsor of the Somerset Patriots. Member FDIC, TD Bank, N.A. Curbside pickup is only available for personal debit card replacements. The Patriots and Pinstripes podcast is brought to you by Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield of New Jersey. In uncertain times, you need someone who has your back. That's why Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield of New Jersey makes sure their health plans have all the benefits you need. Telemedicine, mental health services, and more. Because everyone should feel like someone has their back. We're speaking with Mike Ashmore, who covers the Somerset Patriots for PatriotsBaseball.com. Let's bring this conversation back to the here and now for 2021, the Somerset Patriots and the New York Yankees organization. We'll preface this portion of the conversation by saying that both of us still need to do a lot of our research before we get ready for opening day, which in fact is two weeks to the day from the time of this conversation's recording. It's crazy to think about it. Two weeks until the AA affiliate of the Washington (laughs) Nationals. Yep. Comes in here to play the first affiliated game in the history of this ballpark. I got to say, too, uh, I know there's still some work that's being done. This place looks friggin' phenomenal. Man, it really does. Uh, it always has, but the, the uh, adjustments and additions and, and things that I'm, I'm looking at, you know, right now we both are kind of staring out of the field and seeing the things that are uh, being done to make this place look even better. Um, I can't encourage y'all enough to come out and check this place out and, and see what uh, what's been done to it over the past couple months. This is uh, this is uh, going to be absolutely wonderful, and I can't wait to see this place full of fans uh, down the road. Obviously, not right away, uh, but it's uh, this is a place that's meant a lot to me, and it's cool to kind of see it getting a, a fresh coat of polish. But I'll stop putting your your team and your franchise and your ballpark over, and you can ask me whatever you want. <laughs> From our vantage point, where we're where we're having a conversation right now. We see a lot of the new padding that's going on around mm-hmm. the field, and it's yeah. this—it's the same color green as the uh, the seats in the general seating bowl here at the ballpark. But it just—it's padding that we haven't had on the outfield walls previously, and the padding actually goes 360 degrees around. So any interior wall facing the field is going to have a new level of padding this year, which just—it it, makes a—it makes the the outfield wall, the outfield ads, and even like the distance markers pop. A little bit more. So um, that's certainly an exciting addition specific to the team. I want to get into this part of the conversation. Sure. You know, the Yankees organization, from a lot of my research and conversations that I've had with, um, you know, J.J. Cooper at Baseball America um, and a number of other people, Matt Cardos at Pinstripe Prospects, it seems like the consensus for this organization is that there's a lot of high-ceiling talent yep. that is on the younger end. Yes. There's, you know, of course, the Martian, Jason Dominguez. I spent a decent amount of time talking about him 
last week with J.J. Cooper, so we don't have to get too far into JJ, into Dominguez, though that's something that we will have to talk a lot about, I imagine, entering the 2022 season here. Yeah, probably. If things go the way they're supposed to, yes. But uh, as Josh Norris told me on the uh, perhaps retired, perhaps not, on top of Mike Ashmore podcast, if Jason Dominguez <laughs> wants to come to Somerset this year, he's probably buying a ticket. So, uh, But you never know. I mean, crazier things have happened. But uh, kind of like you were saying, I think there's a lot of kind of the, the more – upper echelon guys in your Baseball America top 30s and your MLB uh, pipeline or MLB pipeline top 30s, kind of more is going to be in kind of, uh, you know, like a year or two away. You're going to see a lot of more of your better arms here, I think, this year. Um, Luis Seal obviously was officially assigned here. That doesn't mean squat, by the way. He mm-hmm. might not be here for opening day. You never know. A lot of things might happen with the alt site or they can choose to reassign him on Scranton where a guy is assigned, as you, again, you know, on as affiliated ball guy yourself. Uh, where a guy is assigned on paper before anything actually happens means nothing. Uh, there's going to be a lot of, uh, you know, top. I think the rotation here on paper should be really good. Um, I think there's a, you know, a smattering of your top 30 guys who are going to be, uh, you know, on the field hopefully on opening day here. Um, I'm really excited to kind of learn some of the other systems. Like I know nothing about the Washington National System right now. I know not a damn thing. So I don't know who's going to be here for Harrisburg. I, I don't. I know none of that. Like it's it's nice to. Like, I feel like I knew the Atlantic League stuff in and out to where, like, I would see a, a roster and a lineup be like, okay, this guy can do this, this guy can do this. I really don't know that yet. And part of me wants to be prepared up and down and know everything about this guy. And, like, I see a guy in the on-deck going, okay, he was a third rounder. He has a 270 career average. Like, he can do this. He can do that. 20 bags, whatever. Uh, part of me wants to come in here and know absolutely nothing and not base everything that I feel or everything that I think off of what I'm reading other places. Um, I've always found a lot of value in that. Like you can, you can read those handbooks and you can read the websites and you can read the scouting reports and they're, you know, they're accurate, but you're always going to have your own feelings and your own thoughts and your own opinions on things and on guys. And that's kind of the beauty of, of a lot of what we do is we're all looking at the same thing, but we all see something different. Is it fair to say that for this year, Whereas in the past, in the Atlantic League, you might see players that are a little more polished, that there might be nights where you have a cleaner overall game. Is it fair to say that for this year, when when fans come here and when scouts come here and when working media comes here, we're almost looking more so for like the tools? Yes. We're looking for the projectability with these players and and not so much uh, you know this guy made an error or this guy looked a little sloppy it's oh this guy has a cannon for an arm this guy has quite a lot of range I'm laughing because you're gonna hate my answer from an organizational standpoint but most of what you want to see is all the stuff you can't see as a fan it's the stuff that you're gonna see in batting practice it's the stuff you're gonna see when guys are taking infield um, all the tools and the stuff that really pop then and maybe don't always show up in a game. Uh, you know, guy who has light tower power and BP and maybe who isn't at a point in his career yet where he can handle off-speed stuff and, you know, is hitting 210, 220 at the plate. Um, you know, guys who are making these dazzling plays in infield, uh, you know, infield work and all that kind of stuff. Or you see guys throw bullpens and it is just, you're blown away and then you see it in the game and the guy's a barrel finder. Um, it's all that kind of stuff that you see that the value of getting here at 2 o'clock in the afternoon and the value of getting to see all that stuff, that's... I think that's where a lot of the work in being able to kind of um, formulate your own opinions goes into and not just looking at the games. But um, yes, you are 1000% more so looking at that and kind of, and you're going to have your, your veteran org filler guys. You, I mean, that's just the yeah. reality of it. There's going to be a couple guys probably on this roster who uh, are just kind of, you know, here to fill a spot, but um, you know, you're, you're kind of looking at that tools and you're, you're more curious as to what someone's going to become. Whereas in the Atlantic league, um, most of them for better or worse, were already established for, for what they are. You mentioned earlier in our conversation that the double a level is where prospects tend to either sink or swim. Mm-hmm. Can you elaborate a little bit on, on what you mean by that? I feel like organizations, um, maybe don't rush guys, but we'll, we'll put guys, uh, at this level to, um, to really see what they have, uh, to see how they can handle some of the top guys. It feels like AAA has always kind of been more of that veteran, like more like MLB ready. Like, hey, if we need a guy, we can have him here and stash him here, and kind of like your, you know, your back end of the forty man veteran guy. You know, your your four A player basically is, is there, and there a lot of your 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 AA guys are a lot of the guys who you're going to find on that sheet, uh, one way or the other, in the next year or two. 
Um, so, I, I mean, I'm, I'm blessed to have seen a lot of, uh, you know, those sink or swim, like top guys over the, over my time in Trenton. Like I would, uh, Josh Norris, who was a friend of mine uh, who works at Baseball America. And now, uh, he was a beat writer in Trenton as well, alongside of me. And, uh, we would always go places to find a game, uh, whether Trenton was home or not. Like we'd, if Trenton was home at seven, like we'd be going to, to Reading at 11 to, to find a day game. I remember watching Manny Machado there, uh, Manny Machado versus Garrett Cole. We would we would see all like all these top kids coming up because we just wanted to to see um you know see if with you know see if they would sink or swim and kind of be able to formulate our own opinions like uh like i was saying but uh it'll be interesting to see who actually ends up here it's a tougher question to ask uh, to answer without actually really knowing who's going to be here um but i think you're still going to see especially from an arm standpoint like i said you're going to see a couple of those guys uh, kind of get thrown into the fire and uh see what they can do Minor league spring training camp breaks on April 29th. Yes. The uh, minor league double-A season begins on May 4th. Uh, the expectation from our organization is that players will be trickling in here between uh, May 1st, May 2nd, uh, where they will have a, uh, a couple of days to practice on this field. Yep. And, then, and then we're going to play. So there's not going to be a lot of heads up in terms of who the players are going to be nope. that are here. And I'm not going to ask you too many specific questions on players. As you mentioned, you know, there have been a couple that have been assigned to specific locations. Louise Hill, we've pushed that out a number of times that mm-hmm. he was assigned to double A. Somebody like Estevan Florial was assigned to triple A. Yep. Uh, there was some other arms to really look out for, like Luis Medina. I believe yep. he was assigned to um, high A Hudson Valley. Yuendris Gomez, I believe, was um, Hudson Valley and Alexander Vizcaino, I think, was low A Tampa. I might have a couple of names mixed up there, uh, but those are some arms. From your standpoint, I think one of the biggest monkey wrenches that's making it even more difficult than usual this year to predict who's going to be at certain levels is the integration of this alt site where players that are on the 40 man roster are getting an opportunity to really play against, like you said, four a guys, guys that have some major league experience. So somebody, for example, like Luis Hill, who has been pitching in Scranton for the last couple of weeks at the alt site, he's going up against guys that have some major league experience. This is the highest level of talent he's pitched against. Granted, he also pitched at the alt site in 2020 as well. So how much does that potentially throw off the normal trajectory of, you know, say like we're using heel a lot, but heel pitched in Charleston in 2019 yeah. under Julio Mascara, who was the manager for the River Dogs at the time. And then he pitches at the alt site in 2020, he pitches at the alt site to begin 2021. Does that raise the expectations for him and allow a team like the Yankees to get more aggressive with his assignment and maybe potentially get more aggressive with other players' assignments? Yeah, it's really more, it's how it's how they view it, right? Like, he'll had, what, like maybe three or four games in Tampa last year and it was mostly Charleston. But, like, do you do you take his full year at the alt site and do you count that as a minor league season where you're able to kind of say, like, okay, like you're good to go, we're, we're confident promoting you, or do you just kind of treat it as, you know, it's the alt site, it's just we're going to move you along. Is it a lost year, basically? Yeah. Um, this year is interesting too, because the outside is so full of guys and, uh, you know, they're, they're playing these games. So it's, it's really hard without, you know, uh, having had access too much to people within the organization. And that's not a crack at all. It's just reality, uh, to know how much they really value the, these alt site games and experiences, all that stuff. Are they, are you just keeping guys loose? Are you keeping guys fresh? Are you, are you making sure guys are seeing live ABs? Like what? What to them is the value of having this this alt site here? Basically, from a minor league standpoint, obviously from a big league standpoint, you want your guys ready. Uh, for, I mean, Mike Ford just got called up out of the the alt site as the day we're recording this. Uh, so from a big league standpoint, it makes sense. From a minor league standpoint, um, yeah, it'll be really curious to see when these assignments come out and and you know a week and a half, two weeks, uh, how much the alt site experiences really were valued. The Patriots and Pinstripes podcast is brought to you by TD Bank. TD Bank is changing the game with curbside debit card replacement. Whether your debit card was lost in the couch or chewed up by your dog, we've got you covered. Just order a new debit card through the TD Bank app. Then you can walk, bike, or drive up to your nearby TD Bank to score your new card. Now that's the MVP treatment. TD Bank, proud sponsor of the Somerset Patriots. Member FDIC, TD Bank, N.A.
Curbside pickup is only available for personal debit card replacements. The Patriots and Pinstripes podcast is brought to you by Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield of New Jersey. In uncertain times, you need someone who has your back. That's why Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield of New Jersey makes sure their health plans have all the benefits you need. Telemedicine, mental health services, and more. Because everyone should feel like someone has their back. Again, we're speaking with Mike Ashmore, who covers the Somerset Patriots now for PatriotsBaseball.com. From a fan's perspective, you know, we've had a number of fans that have been longtime season ticket holders, longtime supporters of this club, and who have really, you know, put together strong relationships, not only with other fans that come out to these games, but strong relationships with coaches that have been here for long stretches of time. Of course, Sparky Lyle and then Brett Jody. Um, you know, not just managers, other coaches as well, uh, but then players. You know, you have your fan favorites, and there's been so many fan favorites over such a long period of time. I don't know if there's anybody more qualified to talk about them than, <laughs> than you, but, you know, of more recent fame, you have your Scott Kellys, your Jovan Gonzalez's, David Kubiak's, Rick Teasley's, you know, th- those kind of names. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything is sort of, I don't want to say wiped away, but, you know, you have a brand new slate of coaches. You have a brand new slate of players. Uh, so what can fans expect in terms of, like, the level of play that are gonna, that's going to be here versus what they've been accustomed to and trying to get to know how players come and go from an organizational standpoint maybe a little quicker than previous players that would stay here for longer durations of time? Sure. Um, level of play. Um, there will be a handful of nights in which an Atlantic League game will probably be a little bit better than what you will see here. But for the most part, uh, what you see here going forward will be significantly better than what you ever saw here in the past. It's mostly dependent on pitching, um, which is pretty much the case as it was in the Atlantic League as well. But um, I mean, this is going to be, you know, double A ball is pretty much where the prospects go to either, either sink or swim. Um, and it's pretty fun when you get to see them swim. So uh, that'll be fun. As far as relationships go and uh, in terms of turnover, there's going to be a lot more. Um, I wouldn't get too attached to a lot of guys here. Uh, it might be different given the kind of the current environment with, uh, you know, call-ups being limited and, and you know, uh, alts, all this different stuff might kind of make things a little bit different. But uh, And you know this too from having worked in affiliated ball yourself. Like there's a lot of, of roster turnover. And uh, basically if a guy starts playing well and there's room for him to move up, he will be doing so, uh, and obviously vice versa. If a guy's hitting a buck eighty, and you know he's not one of their guys, he's he's going down. So you've been around this team, and we've said it already a number of times for for nineteen years. And I know I keep on like flipping back and forth a little bit between the now and the past, uh, but I think you're somebody that brings a lot of value to those past conversations. Uh, when you look back at the nineteen years that you covered the team, um, you know. I don't know if there were any moments during those years where you felt like this could be something of a possibility of the Patriots joining a Yankees or becoming an affiliated team at all. But are there any moments that stand out to you over the years that you've covered this team? Um, I never thought this would become affiliated. And it has nothing, it's not a discredit to anybody here. If anything, the fact that they are now affiliated is a huge credit to everybody here and what they've built up. And that pretty much, a, you know, an organization like the Yankees can just go, yeah, this is good. And pretty much, you know, ballpark as is, obviously with a few minor adjustments, ballpark as is, they can just hop in here and feel comfortable. That's a, a massive, massive credit to everybody here and what they've done to make this place what it is. Moments that stand out. Uh, 2015 for me is the easy first answer for that. You know, there's a lot of uh, personal reasons for that as well. My mom, uh, as many of you know, passed uh, right between the end of the regular season and the start of the playoffs uh, that year. And uh, I can't say enough about that team and what they did upon finding out about that and all you guys and uh, fans and everybody. Um, So to see them win the championship that year just felt like everybody... Off-field, on-field deserved that, and that was uh, a really cool moment. I don't want to say be a part of, but to kind of be around, and, you know, the guys kind of brought me in to be part of the celebration and all that stuff, too, and that's, you know, that's the kind of stuff you never forget, uh, you know, growing up and uh, being a kid who got passed over in Little League quite often <laughs> for 
being a little too small uh, to be kind of welcomed in uh, in that sense by a, a group of professional athletes who, um, you know, most of the guys are your friends, you know, by the time it's the end of the year. And maybe that's not the right way to, to cover a team, but that's kind of always the way it ended up being by, uh, you know, being around a, a group of guys like that. By the end of the year, you'd, you know, end up being acquaintances with a lot of those guys. And, uh, you know, that's kind of stuff that I never really could have envisioned for myself growing up, you know. You mentioned friends and, you know, we, we've certainly both made a number of friends that have been on these teams. Is there anybody that you stay in contact with? Anybody uh, that, you know, probably would have been ticketed for a 2021 Somerset Patriots Atlantic League roster that you'll be following moving forward? Um, man, I keep in touch with a lot of the guys via text, uh, David Kubiak and, and Luke Irvin and Scott Kelly. Scott Kelly was actually over my house when the news of the Yankees affiliation broke, which was moderately awkward at the time. Uh, James Puglis and I still, uh, talk often. We'll, uh, trade cards back and forth. You know, I'm a big, uh, baseball card guy, as is he, Corey Reardon. Uh, is another guy who I keep in touch with. I, I text with Brett a lot. I text with John. It's just a keep in touch with a lot of guys just to see how they're doing. You know, um, that's a lot of what I'm gonna miss. Is sometimes the games would not be that great. Let's you know, <laughs> and they're you know Wednesday afternoon doubleheader against the Road Warriors was not my favorite day in the world. Let's be honest. But uh, the games would blend together. It, it is what it is. But I, I'm really gonna miss a lot of the people um, from a player and a coach standpoint who. Uh, you know, made the experience what it is. And, and let's be clear, too, um, you know, without Brett Jody, without John Hunt, and without Sparky, who's obviously going to still be a big part of things here, without a lot of those uh, people kind of upholding the standard of what Somerset Patriots baseball is supposed to be, uh, Somerset Patriots baseball never gets to the point it's at now. Well, uh, we want to make sure that we offer congratulations to Brett Jody, yes. who has a, a new managing job. Uh, the Lincoln Salt Dogs, I believe they are, right? That's right. Yes. Yeah, that was uh, that's great to see. I was uh, you know texting with him a little bit after he uh, he got that job, and he's extremely happy and excited about that. And um, everything you ever heard about that guy was true. Um, one of the nicest, most genuine. Uh, sweetest uh, human beings on the planet. Uh, my favorite Brett Jody story. And I, I was about to ask you. This. Yes, I've told I've told this one a few times. It's it's such a stupid story because for all the experiences we've had, uh, hung out on the road a decent amount, all that stuff. But we're <laughs> sorry, Bridgeport. But um, <laughs> so the, you know what I'm going to tell too. The ballpark in Bridgeport was close enough to where you could walk to the hotel, but Bridgeport was not always the most wonderful area in the world to where you wanted to be walking at night. You didn't enjoy the uh, the P.T. Barnum Museum? I did not in enjoy that, uh... the perpetually open. Always open. Yes. You could always go in. No, you couldn't. <laughs> um, so it was a short enough walk to where you could make it, but at night you would never want to do it by yourself. And that's not being disrespectful or anything like that. It's just a, a fact of life there. You didn't want to do that by yourself. So there's always kind of like an unspoken like buddy system kind of thing. So um, I would wait to, to walk back with someone to the hotel when I was covering them on the road and uh, I ended up walking back with Corey Dommel at the time who was a, a great guy and was a pitching coach for Somerset for a couple of years and Brett and um, we were passing a lot of uh, obviously less fortunate folks on the, the way from the ballpark to the hotel, hotel and he's just genuinely saying hello and stopping and talking to everybody and like hey man how you doing and like you know how's it going man what can I do to help like just and, like, it wasn't an act. It wasn't because I was there. He's not trying to impress the reporter. Like, that's just who that guy is. And uh, Lincoln is so exceptionally fortunate to, to get someone like that. And also someone who has, uh, I feel, underrated as a manager as well. Someone who should have had way more Manager of the Year awards and way more recognition on a, a league and national scale than he ever got. I completely agree. And we're wishing nothing but the best for Brett. Absolutely. A truly, truly great guy. And uh, I can say with very, I could say with a lot of certainty that the second that that news came out, there's all of a sudden a lot of Lincoln Salt Dog fans oh, yeah. in New Jersey. Yeah, I'm actually going to try to head up there at some point this season if I can, man. I, I will support anything that guy does. Just uh, one of the absolute best people you could ever come across. We're speaking with Mike Ashmore, who covers the Somerset Patriots now for PatriotsBaseball.com. Uh, I'll let you go on this, uh, because we've already had a, a wide-ranging conversation on a number of topics. <laughs> hope I didn't get myself in trouble too much. Well, we might have to do some editing <laughs> <laughs> for the show after we're done here. Uh, but in terms of this season, you know, we're all looking forward to the return of live sports. Yeah. Right now, the ballpark is expected to be at 30% capacity. Uh, we'll see how much movement takes place over the course of the season. I'm not sure if there's really going to be much, if at all. But right now, 
we're at 30 percent, so it'll be nice to have a an increase in the fan, amount of fans that are going to be at this ballpark. Yeah. But for you specifically, what are a couple of the top things that you're looking forward to this season? Whether it be fans, specific players that are going to be on the Patriots that you're looking out for, maybe specific players that are in other minor league systems that are going to roll through here. What is Mike Ashmore most excited for in 2021? I chuckled because the first thought that came to my head is so stupid, but the press box food. But no, for real, um, uh, Luis, seeing Luis Hill um, is is a, a big uh, interest for me. I'm a big card nerd, as I said, and I uh, was collecting a lot of his stuff before even a hint of this announcement came out. So I'm very familiar with him. Um, I'm I'm just excited for a new challenge, really. Like I'm, if we're being honest, like I'm coming in really behind the eight ball here because. You know, you got a guy like Matt Cardos who's coming in and knows this system inside and out. And a lot of the people who are coming in, like, know this system inside and out. They're going to have a big advantage here over me over the first couple of weeks at minimum um, in terms of, you know, knowing all this stuff and, like, having seen a lot of these guys before. Whereas for me, this is all new and it's exciting that it's new, but it's scary that it's new, too. Um, I'm so... Use, like I said, I'm so used to coming in here and knowing, it's not to pump myself up, but just it's how I felt about it, knowing everything inside and out. I knew the teams inside and out. I knew all the players inside and out. I knew all of Somerset's guys inside and out. Uh, May 4th, I'm not really going to know that much. And it's it's scary, but it's exciting too. And um, I'm like I said, I'm very motivated to uh, bust my rear end as hard as I possibly can to make this thing, to make Patriots baseball um, the place to go. When you're looking for Somerset Patriots news, I want it to be the first damn place you click on. Well, we're excited to have you. There's a lot that's going into the season, a lot that still needs to get done before we're ready to go. I know that you've got a lot of work to do. <laughs> I, I know very well that I've got a lot of work to do. But I've enjoyed this conversation today, Mike. It reminds me of simpler, better times. Yes, sir. And, and here's to many more conversations and better times moving forward. Can't wait to see uh, what the season holds for us both, sir. So I appreciate you having me on. You've always been great to me. Uh, very excited to, to get to, to hear your your call, your very well-deserved uh, call of a, a double-A Yankees affiliate, man. Nobody's worked harder uh, than you to, to get to a point to where uh, you can, you know, get to do something like this. And I'm happy for you. I'm very proud of you. And I know you're going to kill this, so. I appreciate that, Mike. Thank you, and thanks for joining the show. Thank you. The Patriots and Pinstripes podcast is brought to you by TD Bank. TD Bank is changing the game with curbside debit card replacement. Whether your debit card was lost in the couch or chewed up by your dog, we've got you covered. Just order a new debit card through the TD Bank app. Then you can walk, bike, or drive up to your nearby TD Bank to score your new card. Now that's the MVP treatment. TD Bank, proud sponsor of the Somerset Patriots. Member FDIC, TD Bank, NA. Curbside pickup is only available for personal debit card replacements. The Patriots and Pinstripes podcast is brought to you by Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield of New Jersey. In uncertain times, you need someone who has your back. That's why Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield of New Jersey makes sure their health plans have all the benefits you need. Telemedicine, mental health services, and more. Because everyone should feel like someone has their back. And welcome back to the Patriots in Pinstripes podcast. Mark Schwartz alongside Brandon Pelter. And to finish off this week's episode, we thought we'd have a quick conversation about some of the new rules that have been implemented around the entire landscape of minor league baseball. We're not going to get too far into some of the new experimental rules in the Atlantic League for the 2021 season. Instead, we're going to gear this conversation specifically towards the one rule change that we know we are going to see at the AA level in the AA Northeast League, the league, of course, in which the Patriots will be playing in 2021. And Brandon, it's a rule that might not seem too different to what we've experienced in previous Atlantic League seasons, but but what are we looking for in 2021? Yeah, you mentioned the Atlantic League. If anything, it's a step back from what we saw uh, in 2019, and that was that uh, you had to have two players on either side of second base. So shortstop, third baseman both need to be on the left side, and first and second baseman both need to be on the right side. That's not quite what we're looking at here, at least not yet. To start the season... The rule will be that all teams must have at least four players on the infield 
But all four of those players have to have both feet completely in front of the outer boundary of the infield dirt. To make that plain English, all four infielders need to be either on the infield dirt or the infield grass that would surround the pitching mound. They cannot be in any of the shallow outfield grass when the ball is pitched. So the way that this game of baseball has progressed over the last 10, 15 years as analytics has become a bigger part of the game and preparation is that we've seen a lot of these teams really um, go all in on these kind of dramatic shifts with three guys on the right side of the infield against a left-handed batter and sometimes vice versa as well. I want to get your opinion on this rule, Brandon. Before we do, I actually did get a chance to have a conversation with the late Pedro Gomez longtime baseball reporter for ESPN a couple of years ago uh, when the Patriots were still in the Atlantic League and Pedro was in Sugarland, Texas, writing a story on Jared Mitchell, who was drafted a couple of spots before Mike Trout. I got a chance to catch up with Pedro on the air and asked him specifically about his thoughts on the defensive shift. So let's take a listen. Look, I'm, I'm a huge baseball fan, have been my entire life. So I'm not the type of fan that they need to worry about, necessarily. Uh, I'm going to be a fan regardless. But, you know, the shifts, I, I'm not a fan of because I think that is not the way the game was designed. The game was not designed where you put six players on one side of the diamond to try to take a hit away. A hit should be a hit. You know, you hit the ball to a spot where no player was designed to be, fine. And I understand the mentality of... Yeah, but the analytics tell us if we put four players over here, we can take away hits and things like that. But yeah, but that's fine. But that is not the way the game was designed to be played. All right, Brandon. So in that clip from Pedro, he talks a lot about how the game was originally designed and that shifting wasn't really a part of the initial designs when you know the makers of baseball had everyone aligned in different positions and different defensive you know alignments along the field. Uh, I tend to be more on the Pedro Gomez side of this conversation where I don't like to see as much analytics integrated into the game. I understand it, and I know it benefits a lot of teams, and there's a reason why it's a part of it. I'm curious what your thoughts are on Pedro's uh, ideas when it comes to the shift and, and where you stand in this entire debate. Well, I'll tell you, if you asked me this question a couple years ago, I would have been in the camp that had said, use your resources, and it's up to the hitters to adjust. But I think that, uh, you know, my opinion on that has certainly grown and evolved a little bit. And I don't fully um, agree, again, all my opinion with Pedro's look on it, of this is not how the game was uh, designed, because not much of what's left in baseball is how it was years and years ago. I mean, you certainly didn't have pitchers hitting triple digits on the radar guns. You didn't see home runs hit 450 feet uh, as frequently as you do today. So the game has has grown quite a bit. Now, who I turn to uh, when I think of how I look at this, I actually only heard it a couple months ago, and it was Francisco Lindor, the, the new Mets shortstop, and he had a really interesting uh, quote that kind of shaped my perception and, and how I now look on it. And he told Sports Illustrated, quote, the shift has got to be cut down. Let me do me. Let me make the crazy play. Let me be like, okay, he's going to pull the ball. I can't be on that side of the base. So as the pitch goes, I run on the other side of the base, pow, and make the play. And and when you when I think of it that way, the way he puts it, that's really exciting. It is really exciting, but it, I mean, it goes to show that, you know, an athletic, rangy shortstop like Lindor, also not a fan of the shifts as they've been used in baseball. And I get it. And, and you know, we can have a deeper conversation about this where, you know, there's that argument like you mentioned before, like, OK, the shift is on. Well, now it's on the batter to beat it. Like if they have the three guys on the right side of the infield, you know what? Keep them honest. Bunt it down the third baseline. Or, you know, adjust your approach at the plate and try to go opposite field. Or if you're so confident in your own strengths, well, you know what? Hit it over the fence and you don't have to worry about the shift. I get all of that. It's just, it's the way that the game has transitioned where maybe that's just the most visual aspect that fans can see when analytics are integrated into the game. I mean, there's so much behind the scenes that comes with analytics where 
you have your approach at the plate. Maybe you have more of a, you know, an uppercut with your swing to try to increase your launch angle. Or there's different things that you do as a pitcher to increase spin rate, increase velocity, pitch on different axes. Like, I get all of that, but that's not as visual to the fans as seeing a first baseman, a second baseman, and a third baseman on the right side of the infield and having one infielder on the left side. So maybe it's an aesthetics thing. I don't know where you fall. Well, I think, look, I see merit in both sides to the argument. Um, but what I think is the most exciting thing, and, and a lot of people don't agree, but I think the most exciting thing is that we're looking at how we can improve the game and how we can keep the game relevant for the future. And not every adjustment is going to be perfect. Not every adjustment is going to be here to stay. But I would just hope that any of you listening out there and any of uh, the Patriots fans can at least walk into the ballpark or tune into the games with a little bit of an open mind to see how it really affects the game. Well, so let's talk about how it'll affect the game this year. Because the rule that you outlined for AA is not necessarily that you can't, for the time being, have three infielders on the right side. It's that they all have to be along the infield dirt. So will teams still implement that modified shift knowing that their infielders are going to have to be closer together? And, you know, you have a power hitting lefty. You can only play so deep at second base. Like, that ball's still going to get to you pretty quickly. Yeah, where, where I see it mostly coming into play is shading more up the middle mm. um, and, and you know sometimes you might have your second baseman or shortstop uh, depending who, on who's at the plate really play like behind the second base bag I think that's uh, where we still might see things also of note though what I did read is that there is potential come as soon as the second half of the season to add that additional modifier to the rule where there have to be two uh, players on either side of second base so the door is still open for that, but we're not going to see it come opening day. Well, opening day now 13 days away from the time of this recording, uh, 12 days away if you're listening to this on CTC Live, 11 days away if you are listening to the online recording that is posted on Friday. One way or another, we're going to get to opening day. We're going to have baseball back here. There's going to be a lot of different layers than what we've experienced in the past, but I'll tell you what, I, I keep circling back to that word exciting, Brandon, and and that's that's the mindset that I have right now. I'm excited, and and I get the feeling that you're in a in a similar camp as I am. Mark, we're inching closer. We've got one more podcast after this week, and then it's upon us. Well, a big thank you to Mike Ashmore who joined this week's Patriots in Pinstripes podcast. It was great to have Mike back in the Somerset Patriots press box. Uh, it was great to hear from him, and we are very excited to have Mike aboard covering the team for the entire 2021 season at PatriotsBaseball.com. Please be sure to follow his content all season long. You can follow him on Twitter at Mashmore98. But that'll do it for us this week. Thank you so much for tuning in, and have a pleasant weekend, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Patriots and Pinstripes podcast. Each episode is aired on the Voice of Central Jersey, 1450 WCTC, and WCTCAM.com every Thursday night from 6 p.m. to 7 p.m with online versions made available on podcast streaming platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and more. Please consider giving us a five-star rating if you enjoyed the show. The Patriots and Pinstripes podcast is written, hosted, and edited by me, Mark Schwartz. It is produced by Jack Myatt, Ginny Ott, and the entire team at 1450 WCTC.